0: With Helen with Daddy.
1: Extreme.
2: Hello and welcome to Show and Tell with Toons, a takeover of wrestling 20 years ago for the super special fifth anniversary celebrations. Today, I am joined by two former Show and Tell with Toons guests. First, my good buddy from America, Eric, how the devil are we? Don't mind the adjective, kid, we're taking over. (laughs) (laughs) And also, the dulcet tones of our fearless leader
3: rory here i am and we are here to play very literally <laughs> <laughs> so you must be thinking
2: why is show and tell with tunes in in the east in the wrestling 20 years ago bubble what's going on we're here to listen to the uk version or the european version of ecw extreme music so as such we're doing an album review so first things first have either of you boys heard this before? I sent it over to you. Nope. No. So I was the only one that, at the age of uh, what, fifteen, in the CD shop, buying it and going, "I have to have this because I love anything metal and anything wrestling." You know, it was a simpler time in the nineties. <laughs> anything like that, I saw it in HMV. I had to buy it. So, a little bit of a history on the album before we go through it. So, first things first, an American issue of the album came was released by CMC in 1998, and was he had a European edition released by Erec Records over here in 1999. The US version has three differences in it. One, it has Gridspoon's version of "Prongs, Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck." Moose Kane's version of ACDC's Big Balls and Harry Slash Hooker Blues, which is Sabu's theme. Can't find out why they were taken off the European release. The only thing I can sort of think of is it's because of rights uh, with distribution over here, Um, because looking at it all of these songs aren't available anywhere else they're not on spotify on itunes or anything like that so i'm going to imagine some sort of legal thing that wasn't allowed to be released and as such i've been lost to the sense of time
1: sounds about right Chris.
2: but we in the europe got three ear artists even to come in and give us some wonderful songs one of which did end up being used as a theme song in ECW by Balls Mahoney, the Morbid Angel song, but we'll go more into that when we get to the track listings. So we will start with track one, which you'll hear a little bit of a snippet of right now. So that is that this is Extreme by Harry Slash and the Slash Tones, which is the iconic opening music for ECW TV for pretty much the whole run. And also is a theme when it becomes WECW. What is there that you need to say about this? This is synonymous music for ECW. Um, It's everything that you've, Know about ECW, every sort of fluff piece that you've seen has probably had this bit of music behind it, so much so that it's the entrance that we use on the beginning of the ECW shows. Is there anything that but
0: praise for this as a piece of music, Eric? No, this, this might be gosh, it's between for me, it's between this and the very original Monday Night Raw theme as just the best theme in in wrestling tv history and if you don't just hear this and immediately see pommy dreamer smashing a handcuffed caged raven over the head with that steel chair you haven't watched enough ecw to appreciate how great this is that and the visual of
2: a ring full of chairs going into funk and foley as it collapses oh.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Rory, your take? Yeah, it's interesting, that, uh, very gratifying that WWE do still have the rights to this one. When I first heard it was when I was an all-too-avid viewer of WWE CW in 06, 07, and I think it was the music there. I had no idea at the time that it was the ECW theme. Even when I started watching, uh, watching ECW on the network, I swore that it must have been some... Just WWE using their own mid two thousands music, but but I came across as Harry Slash from the Slashstones character, and I watched. I can't. I cannot Im- imagine watching Extreme Championship Wrestling without it. All the images you've mentioned, and I think it says a lot for ECW that they are so known for using quote unquote real music on their shows and in their dents or whatever. And it's a piece that was written especially for them, which they're so well known for, and that, right. that says a lot. It's it's all there. It's. You see ECW as soon as you hear the opening rumble and the extreme, and you always will. Synonymous is a great word.
2: See, obviously, there are certain songs and bits of music that are synonymous with all wrestling. You know, Austin's music, HBK's flares. I think as as an identity for a whole brand, because there's nothing that you hear that you go distinguishly. That is WWF. It's the guys. There's nothing that you hear that you go is distinctively WCW. It's, again, the guys. I think this is the only bit of music that is a whole company and a whole movement and just just everything about it in one two-and-a-bit-minute song that whenever you hear it, you just automatically are brought to your favourite bits of ECW.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what Tommy Dreamer uses for House of Hardcore, but it could definitely be this. I mean, for sure, he
3: should use this. Does he still yeah. uses that, ma- still uses the Man in the Box knockoff that he had since uh, since WWE days.
2: Well, when I saw him a couple of years ago, he was actually using the proper version of Man in the Box. But, oh, god! Now, now, now we're talking. <laughs> so obviously, we're not going to play this in full because you know this is one of those songs that everyone knows, and you know. We're, we're going to branch out from that. So, next things next, we have a bit of Lance theme music, which is Phantasmo and the Chicken Run Blastorama, the Wine, Woman and Song Mix, which you'll hear a little bit of right now. So I am a massive fan of Rob Zombie and White Zombie, and anyone that knows me knows that I like this sort of horror punk and horror metal and things like that, and the original version of this song is perfect. There's just something about this remix that's just a little bit off for me, Um, and I'm pretty sure that Storm actually uses the original version for his theme music. But then again, licensing laws may mean that they had to have a remix for it to be used on the CD. Though I do think, as a theme, it works really well. You know, it so suits a person's entrance for wrestling. Um, Rory, I know you like yourself some Rob Zombie and White Zombie. Yep. But what are you thinking with uh, this version of Phantasmo?
3: yeah this seems like a lunch break remix to me i don't think there's much wine women or indeed song involved in its making it's 90 95 of the album version but just seems like it might be my laptop speakers but i don't think it was that they were just muting the vocals a little bit so you know rob's a bit further back in the mix that's pretty much all there is to it i mean if if somehow this album is your first introduction to white zombie then get yourself a copy of Astro Creep 2000, or to give it its full name, of course, Astro Creep 2000, Songs of Love, Destruction, and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electric Head, <sighs> as soon as you possibly can, because uh, I, it's their fourth, and so still, I think their best album. I mean, Rob did some great solo stuff afterwards as well. But yeah, it's... This can't have been... This can't have been his actual... Alon uh, actual music. Just think, can we think of any more situations where a, a remix has been a wrestler's music? I don't the mean only
2: it's one yeah, on. that I can think of is that Edge used a remix of Never Gonna Stop. <laughs>
3: that yeah. was gonna, I was gonna tie and say that Rob Zombie was the theme to oh. somebody fairly famous in 2002, but you stole my thunder there. That was a remix as well, was it?
2: Yeah, it's a different ah. vocal remix that's used for that.
3: I was gonna bring this up because that I was watching SummerSlam 02 the other day on the network, and his music there is still intact. There's yeah. So much dubbing on the network now but for, for pretty much anything yet. Edge's Rob Zombie music stays intact. Rolling is still there for Undertaker.
2: But they don't have American badass.
3: American badass is gone and I think that's pretty much it. But yeah, it's weird, bloody weird.
0: Eric. Yeah, this uh, this version was kind of the uh the version that in the Simpsons when Bart loses his soul and he can't figure out what's wrong but he knows something's missing. <laughs> Um, that's kind of what this remix did to this song. Um, it was just kind of a soulless, almost identical, but st- not quite uh, remix. You know, I don't understand how this relates to Lance Storm because when I think of Lance Storm, I do not think of White Zombie. Um, the, but the guitar
2: it, rift works for him somehow.
0: It somehow, just does. Somehow it does because he's kind of got that like Dean Malenko type, um, you know, silent intensity. So I think that's right. You know, one thing I do, I'm not a huge white zombie fan, I'll be honest, but one thing I do appreciate about this song are the, as a bass player, some of those Doug Pinnock, you know, King's X style, you know, heavy runs. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of keep the keep the, the flow going, even when it seems like the song's about to go off the rails at times, like many industrial type metal songs m- seem to do. Um no, I, I think this is a good song. I think the remix doesn't do it really any justice. Uh, and even still, I think this is way better than Edge. uh never going to stop with Edge. as We're going to talk about that. I, Edge, uh, that was about the lowest point that his theme music ever got in my opinion.
2: Yeah, there's, there's something about Alter Bridge.
3: Just I can't have anything oh. other than that as Edge's music. Yeah, th- thankfully, got- thankfully, that's not edited on the network. That would be heretical.
0: That is my favorite. That that just while we're here, because I don't know, I don't know if we're ever going to be around long enough to talk about it in time machine mode. But that the smoke with that music and Edge and Lita just coming out of it, just looking like dickheads. That was the only thing that got me through that period of wrestling. I swear. Yeah, that's amazing.
2: As we're here, you know, and we're on this, we all have done ECW. We've all done WCW. How much is not having the proper music, which we'll come on to later, even more so on One Guy, affects re-watching stuff in time mode because you're like, why don't we have the proper songs? It it because to me, I loved when we were doing a lot, with, especially with ECW stuff, when we were doing the videos that weren't edited and still had you know Natural Born Killer and not. It's okay, but. A hideous uh gangster song that they put over new jack yeah um, obviously tommy not coming out to alice and chains but that wwf light version oh. you know candido not having uh, machine head and it's like how much does it take away when trying to watch stuff in in real time mode back for the show
3: it does. It's it is really frustrating. I want to put that on record. It annoys the hell out of me, quite frankly, especially as the vast majority of the network dubbins are fucking chronic. I mean, there's one uh, I think it's for blah blah, blah, blah Great American Bash eighty eight or something like that, or a clash of the champions around that time. Mm-hmm. And our and our friend gator Scott Hall is about to on um, my debut. And the music for the vignette was actually of all things when the going gets tough, the tough gets going by Billy Ocean. They're playing something which somebody playing a synthesizer at the bottom of a swamp, which I suppose fits them trying to feed an alligator. But never mind. But at the same time, I will take that trade off when I can watch pretty pristine copies of wrestling which took place twenty years ago on the network, and it's going to cost me nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, um... It it rankles with me. It rankles with me a lot, but it makes our project a lot easier. So, with gritted teeth, I'll take it.
2: It bugs me when you watch Jericho in WCW and he comes out oh, yeah. oh, my
3: there. God. Every week watching WCW, that that kills me, that does, yeah.
0: What's irritating about the WCW ones is so many of those were in the Turner just... Pub, uh, it's not really public domain, but were just in the Turner library, and they could have been licensed for such a little amount of money, like the Jericho one and the Lex Luger one. And some of those, you can listen to old commercials from the 90s and those same songs are in them because Turner would license them for low amounts of money because they were li- decent little rock and roll uh, tracks that, that would you know be good beds for commercials and whatnot. And so even, even those get dubbed out, and that's what's frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like they're just – they were nothing songs to begin with.
3: Jericho's music at this time period where we are now in mid 98, it was a knockoff of even flow. And yeah. obviously, DDP's was the Smells Like Teen Spirit knockoff. Yes, they were pretty cheeseball, but they were representative of the characters. As soon, you now, they edited it on DDP so much, you don't even get to hear him say self high five at the start. That's that's a bit of a pisser.
2: Yeah, it, it suffers. A, I think those is the one that it suffers the most. Yes. Because with. ECW if you ever had the videos over here if you've mm-hmm. got like the proper retail videos mm-hmm. they were edited to shit anyway with the, with the volume so back in the early 2000s late 90s when I was watching the ECW stuff because the only way we could get it over here was by videotape we never had it with the proper music so we never knew it was wrong if you understand, if you get me, right, but right, now right. knowing yeah, it and seeing it with it with the right music, yeah, I do get that. Then not having it, I find is is proper frustrating. No,
0: yeah, I get it. But you know, talking of frustrating, hey, can I can I do the transition here? You can. So, I think, in my opinion, the worst uh, WWE network overdub is the repetitive eight bar Rob Van Dam cover that they throw up or everything. Anyway, Chris, here's to you. Talking of awful covers.
1: you'd
2: have just heard Kilgore's version of Walk. Oh, how I wish this was Pantera. Uh, Though, you know, even even this version still has the the stomp and the swing and the vigour that Pantera have. It's just not as high quality. And, as again, as a wrestling song that fits a wrestler walk by pantera with the egotistical stopping pointing at yourself when they say respect walk works so well just wish we had it on the network so we could have it with it so obviously we all know that this is a great song because it's pantera
0: but what are your feelings on this cover eric yeah you know, it's, it's hard to say because this Pan, the Pantera version is just, gosh, this might be my favorite. This is at least the entrance that I most associate with with ECW, maybe even more than the Sandman because I was such a huge RVD fan uh, in, in this 97, 98, 99 period. Um, really the only thing that kept me watching ECW. Um, and you know, whenever I hear this song, you just throw the thumbs up over your shoulders. You know what I mean? But this, the, the cover version, I guess it does the original a fair bit of justice. Um, It's fine. is fine. They're certainly not Pantera. Um, Just, you know, go out, go out and find the original and and give it a spin Um, and, you know, throw those fists over the shoulders because this is this is one of the best entrances in in wrestling history. This is the Sandman, I think, were the best ECW you've got with with associating music to it to a guy. Rory,
3: respect, walk. What do you say? And there it is, summed up perfectly. Walk is, uh, Chris. I know you're still. Uh a bit of a, a denizen of local rock clubs there There in Norwich. Does Walk, Walk still get a, a regular own about three o'clock in the morning on Saturday?
2: Yeah, they normally play twice, once sort of early on to get everyone going <laughs> and then once pretty much at that sort of last half an hour where it's just banger after banger. So you get, you know, this, you get drowning pool bodies, ah, yes. Ramstein, you know, the big hits for that last sort of charade to get you out for the night.
3: I did laugh on one of your, um, one of your super brawls, where you were, you said uh, one of your pals was there and you, you went with them, and it was like being transported back to two thousand one when it was all last resort and wait and bleed and. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the,
2: the music doesn't change. It's still pretty, pretty much the same stuff they've been playing for the last sixteen years.
3: <laughs> but this cover was was perfectly acceptable. I've got to give I'll give Kilgore some credit. They didn't try to quote unquote make this song their own as i would say if they were doing this on an episode of x factor or american idol or something now there's a thought uh it was very reverential to the original and that's really all you can say about it but everybody just get your own copies of a vulgar display of power and just let it rip
0: yeah
2: so next we have the ecw instrumental mix of Megadeth's trust which you will hear a little section of right now So, Jerry Lynn has some wonderful entrance music with the one Megadeth song that I can actually like because it doesn't have Dave singing over it. (laughs) Anyone that's ever heard Show and Tell Tunes and especially when we had um, Neil Kid Dog on, um, he loves Megadeth. And I was just like, I cannot do Dave Mustaine's whining. I will give him props as a guitar player, but his vocals just, I just can't do it. This is the one Megadeth song that I can get. Megadeth song because he's not on it. Though, other than my Megadeth bias of the fact that I can't stand him singing, again, the guitar riff, it works for a wrestler's entrance. Again, someone like Jerry Lynn isn't going to have anything massively bombastic. It doesn't have to be anything super showy it fits, you know, it's suitable wrestling music. And as I said, you know, it doesn't have Dave Mustaine whining over it.
3: Rory? (laughs) still my thunder there. Yes, uh, Dave Mustaine currently, as we record this, in his 36th straight year as the world's bitterest man, uh, hands down winner. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that Metallica treated him uncanny when they kicked him out of the band in 1983? Have you ever heard him say that before? I think he uh, once it like or 100, twice. A hundred thousand times in his life. So
0: I was in Metallica, you know. You know when Metallica kicks you out for being a whiny bitch, you've got a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's like there's that thing on on some kind of monster where he meets up with Lars Ulrich and they recorded it on like something like I think it was like September the thirteenth, two thousand and one or something. We think everybody's been in a reflective mood, and he's still whining like a fucking bitch. <laughs> oh man, can't you let it go just once? Yeah, this track I think would being transported back. I was transported back to '98 because I mean you're a age to me, Chris. Do you remember on MTV? I think it was on a Friday night. Do you remember Super Rock? Yes. Was that by by my gal Julia Vallée? Oh, uh, yes, the, you...
2: the good days when MTV actually showed music.
3: And, and uh, yes, but in the case of the. Super Rock, it was only three bits of music. It only ever seems to be any week. It seems to be this, again, by Alice in Chains, of all things, and The Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> it seems Which to be was off, the only time
2: years. you could ever see that video in full.
3: Yes, there you go. That was one thing for it. I was, And then I will just switch over to watch the Friday Rock Show on VH1 with Tommy Vance. So I know this song far better than I should. I mean, I got off the Megadeth bus probably round about 1990 well 92 simply of destruction there's there's some good stuff around there you say because Mustaine is such a very difficult character to dislike sorry very sorry very difficult character to like i should say (laughs) (laughs) script d Mustaine, how did that get there a very difficult character to like but in a way i i find oddly endearing his sheer doggedness and dedication to the cause The latest Megadeth album was called Dystopia, for goodness sake. You're in your mid-50s, man, and you're still doing that about how it's all a grand conspiracy. Uh, Yes, we know, Dave, we know. But trust, this is actually a pretty good tune for what you call mid-period Megadeth, like the fifth, sixth version. The riff chugs along nicely. We haven't got to put on with his uh, ridiculous theories, but it's still too long, at five and a half minutes.
0: Man, at least, yeah, at at least Les Claypool has gotten on to writing albums about goblins and rainbows and stuff. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this, um, you know, this, the song, the instrumental version of of Megadeth kind of reminds me of, it's perfect for Jerry Lynn because Jerry Lynn is the ultimate white meat baby face generic wrestler that would be in like WCW versus the world video game on the N64 and this song is probably like perfectly suited for him. You know, great drums to start and then layered synthesizers, awesome. And then, you know, surprisingly upbeat song, I guess when you don't have Dave's, you know, downtrodden black cloud Morrissey metal uh, <laughs> attitude on a Megadeth song, it's actually kind of upbeat. it kind of put me in a good mood. You know, like I said, if a white meat babyface had a Megadeth song, this would be it. And this is perfect for Jerry Lynn. I have no complaints here. Uh, Not the biggest Megadeth fan either. That makes it a perfect three for three. Uh, But this is just fine for a wrestler who's just fine, like Jerry Lynn. So we follow this with
2: the theme song for Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Bruce Dickinson's The Zoo. So oh, this song is plodding and just a bit bland. Sore. Bam bam. Um, right, this is where I'll probably get a load of slack. You know, I'm made an all right. Bruce is I can I can say he's a talented singer. He has a great range, but it doesn't really do a great deal for me. And I don't think this works as a song for wrestlers.
3: Have at it. <laughs> Go on then, Rory. Well, okay. I shall overlook <laughs> that gross slander for now because I'm in a generous oh, mood. This is, this is a special show, after all. Well, remember the Laura of listening, Chris. That's all I'm going to say. Um,
0: Rory, uh, Rory, let me just say, I'm here for the hot tag when you need
3: me. <laughs> but this one's going to be smouldering, I'll tell you. Um, the roof's going to come off the place when I make this one. Um, well, you do know the zoo is originally a scorpion's track, right?
0: Yes.
2: No, I didn't. But then it sort of makes more sense that it's just plodding as well.
3: <laughs> oh, tag, tag me in, partner. <laughs> Rock them like a hurricane, Eric.
0: No, go ahead, man. I just wanted to say, like, just do not disparage classmate. Do not. He's the boy. He's the boy.
3: I actually thought this was pretty decent because I'm, I'm a big fan of the Human Air Raid Siren and his his buddy Roy Z, Roy Z, whoever that is here. Again, if you look at this, if you're if you're buying this album because you're an ECW fan, you want the themes. Do you necessarily want them in their entirety? And six oh seven is quite a long way to go when you're only watching the wrestler. Enter and exit the ring for about a minute. But I thought this was interesting. It's, again, it's not, it wouldn't say it's overly deferential to the original, but it's got a, a few of their own hints as well, because Bruce is such a identifiable singer. And I thought this was fine. So cheer up, Lacey. Come on. This is a special.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, the Scorpions are so good. And the original reading origin of the song is fucking awesome. And this, you know, if there's one guy, I, Scorpion songs are impossible to cover faithfully if you've ever been on YouTube for five minutes. Um, if there's one guy that could do Klaus main respect, it's Bruce Dickinson. So I was fine with this too. This, this worked for me. Not the biggest maiden fan either. And, and Bruce can get a little grading, not as bad as Dave Mustaine, but you know, it's not, not so different either. Um, but this was fine. This was pretty good. But Chris, I will say, for a wrestler's theme song, especially for Bam Bam Big Love, this doesn't work at all. This is, you know, this song takes forever to get going. No, it's I slow. I have no idea what this the theme of the song has to do with Bam Bam. So as far as a match to a guy, if they're gonna use this as a wrestler's theme, it's not Bam Bam, but as far as a cover song by, you know, to of a difficult song, uh, this was just this was fine. This was good.
2: I will I will take that as a as a slight beating and not the the roaring that I was expecting to get when, with when I said what I said. So we are going into the next song, which again is one of those of, I just wish we had the original, but the cover will do, which is Motorhead. Well, I say Motorhead, it's Lemmy with Zebrahead doing Enter Sandman. So what you've just heard there is Lemmy singing Sandman. Yes, it happened, and yes, you know it actually works quite well. And, you know, the uncredited band, Zebrahead, who are my favourite punk band. I like it. It works, you know, Lemmy's gravelly take on it. It gives it a different edge. But, you know, if you're listening to an ECW album and want to hear the Sandman's music, really, it should be the original. Um though interesting side fact on this, this song was actually nominated for the best metal performance Grammy in 1998. So what are your thoughts on Mr. Killmeister's
0: version of the classic Sandman, Eric? I love Lemmy. I think this is fantastic. Do we know if Lemmy played bass or did Zebrahead play bass? Uh, Zebrahead did all the music. Okay. I I thought, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to hope that Lemmy could, play this i didn't think so um or maybe he just wasn't given the opportunity um i love motorhead and lemmy and i'm not the world's biggest metallica fan um i almost feel like lemmy is what james Hetfield's vocals like perfect uh version could be and so i felt like lemmy singing this song which is awesome um was a really nice marriage. And Zebrahead did a very faithful cover of a difficult song. Uh, And I think to focus on Lemmy here, that's what they needed was a faithful cover. And they did a great job. This was good. I I think this is, you know, one of the more impressive covers that we heard because it was so faithful and yet so uh, identifiably Lemmy. Uh, And, you know, if you're going to cover of the song that provides the backdrop for probably the most bad shit, crazy uh, entrance in wrestling. Uh, This is probably the best version they could have gotten. So well done.
2: Yeah, I I see what you say. there. Obviously, you know, um, Lemmy's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's not really much you could say about that, but yeah, he does. You are right that obviously Hetfield does try a lot to get a, a Lemmy style vocal sound out of himself and sort of lemmy doing it does give you a a prospect of what if james just could Mm
3: -hmm. this is
2: could have been what it is uh rory
3: well at this time metallica has b sides from a lot of singles from reload a stack of motorhead covers are in there overkill was one too late too late was another a couple of others so this is pretty neat symmetry yeah i thought Mm -hmm. this was good erica like on an interesting point there you don't actually hear a whole lot of covers of into sandman because for a song which is so easily identifiable and a lot of people and bands have said this to me for whatever reason i'm no musicologist i've never picked up an instrument in anger in my life but apparently it's really hard to play mm-hmm. for whatever reason so that's why you don't don't hear i think zebrahead gave this a bloody good go Lemmy really threw himself into this one so he was still only in, in the late 90s here with the boy kill mister so his voice is still holding up we're not quite into the lemmy does stew heart vocals we'd get for the remainder <laughs> of his career here which i'm pleased um, to say.
0: and he that, was I, that, that x7 performance everybody dogs on lemmy but that was a badass entrance even though he fucked up the vocals
3: and didn't um and it's all about the game and uh, uh, play <laughs>
2: <laughs> to, to give him props he only played that song at wrestling yeah. It never got into the main set list. No, that's it's true. Not and he didn't write the lyrics.
3: True. So
2: it's not his song, and that's why he can't remember the words.
3: Still bloody funny
0: though. But that's yeah. not the that's not the only reason. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's say let's say he was um uh, kicking some ass, but well, probably both before and indeed <laughs> after that performance. Let's say that. But yeah, this is actually a really good version, it's well worth seeking out.
2: I will say that I have I did hear Motorhead do a little snippet of this uh, when they played Norwich. Oh, shit, it was the Soulfly tour, so back in, it was either '03 or '04, And it was during the rehearsals because uh, the the UEA, uh, their, their student bar is underneath the, the gig venue. Oh, wow. And as, you know, Motorhead is louder than everything else even in rehearsal are that fucking loud. So you could hear Lemmy singing out and a Sandman and I got my hopes up that it was going to be in the set. It wasn't, but at least I sort of heard it through a couple of walls. You know, that's as close as I got to seeing it. Next up, we have the first song that isn't actually a wrestling song and has just been put on here to, make up the numbers what we should have had if we had the american version is prongs snap your finger snap your neck which is just an incredible song instead we have cathedrals freedom you won't have heard any of it yet but you will very shortly so this is a pretty funky 90s new metal song which fits in really well with the sort of feel of the album so far um one of the things i'll say about the other two songs that were just put on this album as as extra tracks don't fit with everything else that's going on in the album um but i think the placement of this works really well because it sort of breaks up the covers gives you something new and sort of something a little bit of its time. And also, it's a fucking awesome song. Um, as I said, it's of its time, it's sort of that sort of Red Hot Chili Peppersy y Faith No More style funkness to it, but also got the new metal drive, which is of all the rage of, at the time. And, you know, as a promotion for an album that's on the label coming out, I think it works perfectly because it's one of the things I out
1: and check that cathedral up
2: here hearing it eric what were your thoughts on this
0: yeah cathedral is known for kind of mixing things up over time uh you know their one album doesn't necessarily sound like the other and this was kind of in the cathedral fog hat plus the dream theater period um so you get that funky like 70s heavy metal groove overlay with the mathematic guitar and and it kind of comes together uh it's pretty funky. I don't know if this is the best Cathedral song I've ever heard. It's definitely not, frankly. Uh, it doesn't really stand out enough to be unique. Um, but frankly, like as a, as a relatively original song on an album like this, it, it works to kind of mix things up. And, you know, in hindsight, if they could have worked out a deal for somebody to have this as a theme, it, it could have worked. It, pretty good tune here overall. Not the best Cathedral song, but definitely something cool on this album.
2: Yeah, so it would have definitely sort of been the sort of thing that you could have had, especially that opening would work as as an entrance theme uh, for, you know, I don't know, one of the lads from the House of Hardcore, you know, generic tag team A or B. You know, it would fit in with the Pantheon that is ECW and would sound cool. So it would give that guy, if they are a little bit generic or a bit bland... Mm -hmm. that extra little something by having that as a song and, you know, something to put with the face.
3: Rory, your thoughts? Yeah, this is probably my pick of the record, mainly because it's not the sound I normally associate with Cathedral. Uh, Because Cathedral, for me, are at their best when they're outright doom merchants, which it must be said, before this and after this. Here it just really felt like they were cutting loose and having fun playing it. It did have that sort of funky edge that probably listening to a lot of fishbone in the back or something like that. You know, it didn't go overboard with it. It was still identifiable as them, but it felt like a band really branching out and trying new things rather than just showing off how eclectic they are. That's something I hate if it doesn't seem natural and organic, but this did. It was a great listen. They came completely out of nowhere for me because no ECW link whatsoever and uh, a tremendous track which again very much i highly recommend hunting it down if you can really really good really really different
2: and for the benefit of those with ears they can hear it in full right now
1: freedom man that's what it's all about Got groove on freedom like the good book says.
2: So, the next song on our list is Phantom Lord by Anthrax. This was used for the fat chick thriller himself, Mike. Awesome. Bit early for that. (laughs) Well, that's what he ends up being. We don't know what he did in his spare time. So, I, I will get the the praise in now this is the best version of amphrax playing one of my favorite early thrashy metallica songs what's not to like you know this is just awesome um don't know if it should be for mike awesome um you know i suppose badass mike awesome coming from uh, japan at the time it works for that but when we know what mike awesome goes on to be seems completely out of character. Um, as I said, my vo- favorite version of Anthrax. this is with the amazing John Bush on vocals. You know, I was lucky enough to actually see them with John Bush live, and so, so much better than every time I've seen them with Bell Baldonna. And as I said, early, super heavy, thrashy Metallica played by the better, technically fresh band of the big four just giving that a bit more of an overdrive on it and a, just, oh, I just like it so much.
3: Rory yeah, this might sound overly critical and I don't mean it to because I'm a huge anthrax fan but in the same way people talk about the Smackdown six when they really mean Smackdown 5 and Chavo when I think about talk about the big four I think the big three and anthrax. <laughs> hear let me let, hear me, hit me I, I made a i made a bold claim on the june wcw show just after we call this and i think i'm gonna make another one now so i'm making a bit of a name for myself what i mean by anthrax is that slayer metallica and mugger all took themselves extremely seriously you know we are the real deal we're going to play louder we're going to play faster and anthrax were great players but Look at some of their front covers, the fistful of metal and stuff like that. I always got the sense that Anthrax, they played hard, they played fast, but they really kind of enjoyed it as well. And that is not a criticism, I want to put that on the record. That is not a criticism. I get the impression that they knew whatever incarnation, especially when you're there by somebody like Scotty and they knew what all this stuff was really all about and i've always admired them for that from the mid 80s all the way to the all the way to the day even when joey belladonna who basically is the ddp of music these days and not in a good way is back on vocals but yeah this was a tremendous version full of respects I'm sure anthrax knew this song inside out back to front anyway bush really gives it some on vocals If there's one criticism i've got to kill them all is it uh, hatfield's obviously still in about 2021 and i'll be honest his voice hasn't really broken yet at this point so kill them all for me can be a slightly difficult re-listen because his vocals haven't really set in yet bushing it for arc two lower really brings it out so this is a again a respectful cover by people by let's face it friends of friends and it's in the in the form of a very firm handshake it is great
2: it is that realization of if you know Metallica history had have gone as it was, it should have done. James wasn't going to be the singer. Yep, that's right. Bush was going to be the singer. That's there the singer we wanted. And you know, that's that sort of thing of oh, what we could have had, but we didn't. Um, Eric,
0: your thoughts? Uh, you know, of course, the playing here is is great. Um, the guitar solo was awesome and you know as uh you know i think the best metallica for me is probably the early metallica before they really started to figure out like oh we need to treat this as a business or we're never going to make any money and then they just kind of spiraled from there um and anthrax their biggest problem for me has always been that they're not the best songwriters and so they're great players but i never felt like they really had consistency in songwriting and and maybe Metallica did and and Megadeth too, despite those bands, other flaws. And so to have anthrax who are probably the best players out of the big three plus one um, cover a band that's probably the best songwriters or at least song structures out of the big four of those bands, I thought it was really cool. And it kind of showed that, you know, when you, you take the playing of anthrax and the songwriting of Metallica, you really get something special.
3: I think about it, just to come in quickly, you can absolutely imagine Anthrax covering Phantom Lord. Just to emphasise my point from earlier, you can't imagine Metallica covering I'm the Man. Because they
2: can't. That's exactly right. Yeah. The, as you were saying, the um, sort of inconsistency with songwriting, the one thing, because I've seen Anthrax maybe 10 times you pretty much know what you're going to get in the set list. They've got an amazing hour-and-a-half, two-hour live set list. Right. Uh,
0: uh, Yep. And that's not necessarily a compliment,
2: right? Yes and no. You know, for that two hours, every song that you want to hear them play, they will play. It's when you then go home and you listen to it on record, you, you end up skipping through the album just to hear the songs that you always hear live.
0: Right. They have those songs, but they don't necessarily have many others they can they can rely on uh for a full set.
2: And so there's there's two albums in full that uh full of stuff that I don't skip. Uh We've Come for You all and Among the Living. Yeah. Everything else has got skippables on, you know, so I I will concede that, you know they're good, but they're not consistent. So we will now hear all of Ampraxis Phantom Lord right now! Lord is my favourite song on the album, so that's why we've just heard that. We next go into trade the Heard it on the X, which was used for Francine, which you'll hear a little snippet of now. So this one is another funky sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers, Faith No More's vibe song. Goes heavy again. Another good song on this album. Um, I don't really know why Francine needed her own song. Um, seeing the fact that she's always on the arm of Sir A Another, but, you know, never out on her todd. But, hey, I like the song. It's worth having on it. Eric?
0: Man, I'm a huge ZZ Top fan, especially before they discovered synthesizers and cocaine. Um, and so those first, uh, basically, you know, you can make the '70s '80s split with ZZ Top pretty, pretty consistently, almost like the Rolling Stones. And that early ZZ Top is pretty awesome. Uh, hearing that most of Pantera was going to cover a ZZ Top song, I was a little bit skeptical, but this was pretty awesome. I mean it takes balls to record this song the way that they did just basically to say, we're just going to take this and turn it to 11. It was really cool. And I got to thinking, you know, the the original herd on the X is basically whiskey and weed inspired like every ZZ Top song. And this was just Pantera replacing that with Red Bull and heroin, as you would expect. So um, this was, this was a really cool cover. This was the best, Cover on the album, in my opinion, in terms of the band really making it their own. Rory,
3: uh, did Francine actually use the ZZ Top version? Do we know?
2: I said I don't think I ever see her come out on a Todd.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't come up with an instance where Francine had her unique theme song but then again on the network you would never be able to tell anyone yeah,
3: that's true the only time i could think of francine coming out to the ring on her own was during her tna run in 2002 but uh well yeah that said about those three letters the better hey what we doing we're doing? never doing that we'll be doing <laughs> that in four years oh, that's me on that the, the tna game when they're all on the wwe network by then oh, <laughs> sign, sign me up please. you're in you're in yeah this was great this was the three members of Pantera who I wouldn't actually mind sharing a beer with, or what would if two of them were no longer sadly deceased, of course. Just, again, plugging it in. ZZ Top are very much the sort of band you can imagine Pantera listening to before a gig. You could see them throwing them on there, something like cheap sunglasses to really get them going. No, but... The three nice people in Pantera, while well, Phil Anselmo reads his books and looks at his tattoos and reads what is on his tattoos. Um and drinks his white wine. White wine, as Rob Flynn quite rightly made clear two or three years ago in that there, yeah, fight. There's
0: nothing wrong with a good dry white, Come
3: on, <laughs> White wine in its own right, fine. White wine, when it represents what Phil Anselmo wants it to represent, that's fine. Anyway, we <laughs> all we all know the stories. This was fantastic. They, I could I can actually all the songs we talked about on here. If there's one I can actually see the band playing before my eyes right now. I can just see them jamming on this in a rehearsal, mm-hmm. and putting their own real stamp on it. Just all three of them locked into a groove, blasting out a ZZ top cracker. Yeah, top stuff here, pun intended.
2: And we may hear more of this at the end so next up we're going sleazy with monster magnets cover of kick out the jams which supposedly was used by axel rotten again i can't remember axel having his own music other than axel versus ian level of axel rotten because every time i hear axel come out he's out with balls and we hear big balls but this song is fucking awesome. Um, again, another one where a band have made it their own. Um, obviously, the MC Fives. This is a classic, but they've they've basically gone all sunset strip and whiskey and oh, cocaine yeah. and just just sleazy as fuck. This is like GNR at their best, with Motley Crue at their best, and just, they've made a fucking heroin baby, and that's Monster Magnet coming out with a swagger going, taking that song, and fucking making it better.
3: Rory? I absolutely love Monster Magnet. They're one of my favourite bands of all time in any genre. For nearly 30 years now, they've managed to straddle heavily out their psych, Sabbath-infused doom riffing, and good time rock and roll. That's a hard thing to do. they manage not only to do it well, but to do it to know you just know that they care. And again, we say they monster magnet of Dave windoff's vehicle. He's mm-hmm. been through so many incarnations of the band. I think he changes yeah. them more times than he probably changes his socks. If you still knows, if you can still see his socks these days, the album they released this year, mind mindfucker is again very much in the whiskey good time rock and roll vein with a bit of extra heaviness but it cracks along like like a dream and just a personal moment about this very this very song kick out the jams i saw monster magnet at the big day out in milton Keynes in 1999 they're one of the two bands i really wanted to see on on the entire bill them and metallica monster magnet came on the second stage really early about one o'clock in the afternoon and they had the most appalling sound mix it just kept cutting in and out like this every couple of seconds you just couldn't actually get anything going and they had their stage time cut down. And so you can see Windorf is just frantically waving at the stage and trying to get them off. And he's saying, "No I want to play some more, play some more. But he eventually gets on the mic and says, you're giving us 30 minutes? I can't jack off in 30 minutes. And then sets fire to the stage and everybody else is delayed by about another half an hour. It meant, to, it meant, it meant that Creed had to cut their set short. And what a pity that was. How did you cope? Uh, that was I, was I just sat there on the sat there on the mound and cried. <laughs> Even Sepultura with the with the boy Derek had to chop a couple of songs as well because the stage was just literally lit. It was charred black for the entire <laughs> remainder of the day. But yeah, so they made up for the fact that they only got half an hour with a terrible mix. Yeah, I love Monster Magnet. Kick out the jams could have been written for them. I think Kick out the jams is one of those songs which nobody dislikes, and if you do, you probably shouldn't really be listening to music anyway love it.
2: And say so there's there's a few versions of kick out of the jams because it's been covered fucking
3: That's hundreds right. of times. Yeah, but I had to say myself because covered every every fucking body.
2: <laughs> yeah, but there's a few versions that really stick out. The Rage Against the Machine version I and this uh, two of the ones that are just like cuz Rage have just made it sound as fucking angry and as spiteful as possible. Mm-hmm. And Monster Magnet just make it as sleazy and as swaggery as possible. Yeah, so it's cool. like the same song, but done to like two completely different fucking polar opposites. Cool. And it just proves that you can take any song and put your own slant on it to make it your own. And as I said the two that i always always go to when i listen to jams, is this and the rage version and it's a coin flip between how i'm feeling that day on which version i go with but it's it's sort of you know always
0: one of these two
2: eric i come to you
0: yeah this is my favorite one on the record we we put it over pretty hard there are just some bands that are meant to cover other bands and uh the one that springs to mind as an example would be green day. It's just suited to cover the Ramones. Um, and every Ramones cover green day does is pretty good. Um, and listening to this for the first time in uh, quite a long time, admittedly, um, monster magnet is the fucking perfect choice to cover MC five. Um, they have the same, you know, that monster Magnet. they're better players. And you know, MC five is great because they're not great. I think we can all admit that at this point. Um, No one's mistaking any of them for the dudes from Rush. Um, But uh, Monster Magnet is like the evolution of MC5 in terms of that raw aggression and that drug culture and the counterculture, but like good players. And Windorf is is awesome. And so to take a song that embodies the spirit of Monster Magnet but have it played by people that are good musicians, like the dudes from Monster Magnet who covered the song, particularly Windorf, this was the perfect marriage for this album. And uh I I just can't, I mean, we put it over enough. I don't think there's much more than I can say. I wish Axel Rotten had actually used this song. Because it's all it's, it's perfect for his character too. I mean, this is a that would he'd be another uh good addition to that perfect marriage of uh song embodying spirit of performer. Um and then the last thing I'll say is uh you know Monster Man, it's good, but Dave Wendorf has gotten pretty fucking weird in the last couple of years. <laughs>
2: That is true. So, as if by magic, you will hear all of that right about now. we are going into the final stretch and the point of where earache have gone oh we have two songs we need to put something on fuck it let's pick some stuff that's really fucking brutal and doesn't <laughs> fit with anything else on the rest of the album so we have from the wonderfully delightful morbid angel prayer of the hatred which you'll hear a little bit of now
1: I have to remain But as it be The weakness of the flesh I watch as it Really and I Come Call my soul It blows flesh on the side Call my blood It runs away The flesh of the soul
2: so this is black death metal which to me i fucking love this shit you know brutal heavy fucking angry music is amazing and i love it all but i also understand it is not for everyone there will be a lot of people that just hear it as noise and shit banging together this is perfect festival music this is what i want to hear when i'm at bloodstock i'm not sure it works as a wrestling song though um according to wikipedia at balls uses this for a short period of time when the european version of the album comes out as promotion even though i'm not sure that on our tv we would have seen it with that but yeah it you i don't think you can use black metal as an entrance theme rory i know you do have a little penchant for the extreme black metal as entrance music
3: no i don't think it works no matter what character, because if you're playing on a a dark satanic character for example then you wouldn't still wouldn't have black metal as your music there it's got to be something dark and dank and depressing
2: to doom stoner metal that's what
3: what you want something like the bells chiming at the beginning of black sabbath by black sabbath that's what you want as your entrance music something where it's just the guitars are screaming and the vocals are guttural and it's all 250 bpm that doesn't work as as pro wrestling entrance music this is what was sorry what was the name of this track again chris
2: it is prayer of the hatred
3: (laughs) of course it was um morbid angel i have the first two morbid angel albums i can actually see them on cd from where i'm sat right now i must be honest they as much as i do like a lot of extreme metal don't get played very often i've always had is isn't there but i've always thought the production on morbid angel records is a little bit ropey again but they're on earache so you've almost got to take that no <laughs> take it that, wasn't this away.
0: was this was crazy muddy you're right the production on this was not mixed well at all yeah, they, they, definitely, they definitely
3: didn't mix at least if not the out and out production
2: Again, death metal, it's always produced to sound like it's made in a bin.
3: You can tell, though. It's, it's still it's still recorded, it's still produced, it's still mixed, it's still mastered. This didn't even really sound like a demo, though, so I can't even give them that excuse. It was Morbid Angel being unangelically morbid and that we wouldn't want them any other way, but this didn't really strike for me, which was a pity.
2: Eric, I don't know your for for the extreme, in music anyway not in wrestling um do you go this this heavy normally
0: no not really um uh, so i i just can't um i just can't get on board with it You, you said this music is kind of for not for everyone and i'm everyone um the one thing i will say is what Rory pointed out, I think, was most indicative for me. Maybe it's just how all this music is produced, but I felt like if this music had been more like delicately um, mastered and delicately arranged and produced, where you can maybe hear all the instruments better and it didn't all bleed together like a VHS recording from 1983, um, that I might appreciate the, ins- the, the musicianship more because this stuff, you know, it's not easy to play. And so... But I couldn't hear any of the instruments individually, really, so I couldn't really find any any redeeming qualities for it. Um, I also think that the only time that music like this works for an entrance is when it's almost like a parody of music like this. Like Alistair Black, right now, uh, his entrance music is kind of just a bad version of what this music aspires to be. He's super overrated anyway, so it kind of works, but anyway. Um, <laughs> that's, um, that's why you stay on this show
3: for at least another 20 years, Eric.
0: I think I just felt like after this, I needed to go listen to some like Billy Joel to balance it out. <laughs> so
2: we follow the black metal with some grindcore. <laughs> we have Iron Monkey's Super Gore Gazina which you'll hear a little section of right about now. So again, Grindcore, I love it, not for everyone. Again, I don't get it as sort of any way, shape or form to be used for wrestling, doesn't really fit in with the rest of the album. Um, obviously, we've, we've sort of said that, you know, this has been put on there because it's needed to be filled up by the label. Is this a sneaky way of going, look, you've bought this because you want to hear the wrestling songs here. This is some of the like super extreme shit. You know, as I've said on show and tell before, your first band into heavy is never Napalm Death or in this case Iron Monkey. But you come in because you hear you see Motorhead and you see Bruce Dickinson because, you know, he's the guy from Maiden. You you know, Monster Magnet, maybe, you know, them. And then you hear this and go, "Ooh." my ears have perked up. I want to hear some more extreme stuff. So, you know, is it subtly amazing marketing for black metal and grindcore? Eric?
0: Man along, I think you're onto something there, but I think it's a little bit different. I think along those same lines, I think ECW is trying to sell a specific image and a specific, you know, brand imprint on people. And, the last two songs, the Morbid Angel song and the Iron Monkey song, embody this kind of counterculture, hard, rebellious attitude that ECW is trying to sell. And so I think the the function of these two songs on this record is to not necessarily say, oh, this is so-and-so's entrance music. This is Chris Candido's entrance music or Shane Douglas or whomever. This is to say, this is what ECW is all about. And like... When you watch ECW, it's the same visual experience that this music gives you when you listen to it. And so they're trying to make a connection with these bands that probably appeal, by and large, to the same audience that ECW appeals to. I think it's fucking brilliant. Like, this song is, is heavy as shit, and it's it really appeals to a specific audience and probably a lot of crossover with ECW With the audience uh that the song appeals to so yeah i think i think the the songs on this record that don't have a wrestler association are still on here for a very specific reason
2: so what are your thoughts on said Because obviously i know you sort of said how it fits in as a whole in the rest of the album but what what
0: are your thoughts on grindcore Uh, i think the music is great i think the playing is excellent uh the vocals for me are a turn off um and uh i'm a huge rush fan and so i can agree to disagree about controversial vocal stylings <laughs> and just go to say that you know i can see how this could be appealing the music is great the vocals not for me but i think i could probably learn to like it if i were to listen to a little more iron monkey and and stuff like this
3: rory chris are you a bit surprised napalm death on on this cd a little
2: bit, but then, you know, you're not going to use three seconds of a CD to put you suffer on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or The Kill or any of their other epics. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, this was a bit of, I'm not sure Earache would appreciate the phrase marketing genius, but if they did, this was it. Stick on something right on the level as the very last track, which when you've heard it will very much be the last thing you remember. And it means checking out more of our product. And what a great product this was. I mean, the boys Iron Monkey from just up the road from where I'm, where I'm now in Birmingham from, uh, from Nottingham. By all accounts, they're very uh, nice fellas who, you know, wash between their toes and call them mum at nine o'clock every Sunday. You wouldn't tell that to listen to this track, though, which is exactly how I like it. Uh, the yin and the yang there. Yeah, this absolutely flew by. This, this was grindcore at its very, very best. I'm a fan of grindcore. a big Napalm Death fan. And this was a surprising but a very welcome way to round out the album.
2: So, overalls on this album, um, you know, we would say, would you recommend people to go out and buy it? Um, I suppose in this modern day and age of actually people buying music is is pretty much you know out of out of time. You know, twenty years ago, then we would say definitely go to your local HMV and Virgin Megastore and pick it up, but one of them doesn't exist and i don't think the other one still sells music does it <laughs> um so you know if there are ways and means and obviously if you do want copies you can hit us up i have it uh, digitally so i can you know give it to any willing listeners that want to hear it um would you recommend this to people as a, a an idea to see what music was for ecw at the time and secondly as a sort of if you don't really listen to metal you know here's pretty much a very big pantheon of what was about late 90s in the world of metal eric
0: yeah i think you hit the nail on the head i think if you're an ecw fan this this kind of falls right in line with with the with that and you probably like it just because you recognize the songs and the attitude I think as far as the sampling and metal, I, I'll admit I was going into this. I'm a, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty knowledgeable music fan and a lot of the stuff were uh, exposed some blind spots that I had and involved some pretty deep Wikipedia and, and internet vibes while I was listening to these songs and trying to figure out who's this band and what do they do? And it kind of all came together. And now I definitely appreciate this stuff, even if some of it wasn't my favorite. So yeah, if you're a music fan, Person or a wrestling person check this out for sure and uh, you know I can't can't say enough about uh, just trying to associate these songs uh, with the with the guys and with the attitude and with ECW uh, when it was really at its finest which was truly 98
3: uh, 97 98 99 same to you Rory well, if you're an ECW fan, you probably own this already. And in fact, it's highly possible that the CD was put into the case by Tommy Dreamer and the inlay card put in there by Stevie Richards. Because, of course, They're probably did... posted out by the Dudleys. <laughs> yeah, never, never lick the envelope. That's it. Right. <laughs> as an album, because I listened to it in full, trying to take the ECW thing out of it. I listened to it a couple of days ago just as an album. And for a compilation, it hangs together pretty well. I think it's well structured. You've got the really big names early on. You have to wait until you've got the cathedral track in there as a bit of a bit of a left field swing, but an extremely good one. Say my favourite, couple more fairly big names, and then you've got the real unknowns. For I would wager they'd be unknowns for most of the people who bought this right at the end. So it's well sequenced. Nothing here that if you don't own it, uh, your music collection is incomplete. But it's not just a time capsule. It's not just a high there to what ECW was like in 1998. It's not even really a this is what heavy music was like in 1998 because it's not really. There's a lot of covers on here, for example. So you're not really telling the true story. Plus, there's nothing on here remotely close to Corn or Limp or anybody like that. I will leave our listeners to decide about whether they think that's a good thing or not. I certainly do. <laughs> Put this one on. Enjoy it. Don't look for anything that shall change your world, but it is a fine comp. I, I've come round to compilations in general over the last couple of years because I'm just so busy these days. I rarely have time to sit back and really take in full albums, which is a source of great frustration to me. So compilations like this which really zip about a bit and keep you on your toes and on your ears is what I like. So, yeah, if, if you can find it, check it out.
2: So, yeah, as I said, if anyone wants it, hit us up on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago Twitter and Facebook. um, And we'll sort of email it out to people because I said I have it digitally. I've got it saved on the hard drive and I can quite easily dink it over to people. Um, Now it's time for a little bit of listener feedback that is required. What we want to know is, have you enjoyed how this show is you know do you like the idea of us discussing albums and music and stuff um because i have a great pantheon of wrestling albums pretty much everything that came out between 97 through to about 2002 i have wcw wwf and obviously this ecw one so if you've liked this format of the show and um, hook us up give us a shout we will do more you know, it's an idea that we've got there that something nice and easy to sort out, and there's extra content. So as I said, if you liked it, hook us up as always. Rory, as is tradition,
3: do you have any pimpage of your wares which you would like? You can find me on Twitter at Planets Drop UV. I also run this thing you might have heard heard of called the Wrestling Twenty Years Ago podcast. <laughs> Have you heard of that, gents?
2: Uh, I've heard inklings about it, something about it being online.
3: (laughs) Chances are, if you're listening to this, you might want to know something about it. Yes, we are the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, the preeminent and I believe only true time machine in all of retro wrestling podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Wrestling 20 Years. Find us on Facebook at the same place. I'm sure I'm going to say this a lot more across all our other specials this month, but if you're listening to us, if you listen to us for the first time this month, You've been with us on the entire five year journey. Your support is massively appreciated. We're going to keep this going for as long as we possibly can. And we hope that giving you something slightly different this month, this summer, kept things fresh as well for the, the often slow and long and sluggish journey that the time machine can be. So for, we probably needed a bit of a break from it here as well for a few times this month. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Massively, massively appreciated. It truly is a pleasure to bring all this stuff to you each and every month.
2: And if you wanted to hear this early, which of course you would, and if you have already, you will know that you would have got this on Patreon early for just how much is it, Eric? I think
0: uh, $5 a month. And where would we find that Eric? Patreon.com slash wrestling 20 Y R S.
2: Cause Eric is our Patreon champion getting the plugs in. So other than Patreon, Eric, do you have anything that you
0: would like to pimp? No, not really at Twitter, a modern day lawyer. If you, if you care, but really just follow us at, uh, on Twitter, the podcast, and um, Rory, I think that your attitude, uh, as to the sluggish nature of the podcast is because you volunteered to do WCW on the downturn. Um, I don't think Chris White is quite as pessimistic as yourself. Um, and but nor anyway, am i i've got, I've neither, got a major neither, w. Mid, yeah neither is chris until about uh mid 2000 and then we'll we'll see where it goes um yeah uh, at uh, at twitter at modern day lawyer and patreon and this has been a lot of fun i'd be happy to review some of those wwf the music volumes that i also had when i was 12 13 14 years old
3: me too
0: so
2: it only leaves me to do my little bit of pimpage. Um, obviously, this is a special wrestling 20 years ago show and tell with tunes crossover. If you've liked the idea of us talking music, then you can find us at Show and Tell with Tunes. Um, you can find it on Twitter at S Tell Tunes, Facebook Show and Tell with Tunes, iTunes, Show and Tell with Tunes, Podbeam, and all those other wonderful places. Um, on there, we play a selection of 10 songs or so every episode um basically bit of everything you know metal punk funk gospel country dance music hip-hop old school rock and roll literally if i like it i play it and also if my guests bring it along we play it as well um both rory and eric have been on the show and will be on again at some point as you know they're always welcome and also me and rory are having a super special top 10 albums of the years through the 90s uh, which will be taking place as soon as a certain sporting event has come to an end and we can start listening to 90s music um so yeah if you have enjoyed this obviously go and check out showing over tunes we are going to close today's show with Trey's diablos uh because obviously the consensual around the room was that it was also one of our favorite songs and fuck it you know what i'm going to play all of motorhead sandman as well so you're getting plenty of free music so it only gives me one thing left to do which is say thank you very much rory our fearless leader you are always a pleasure thank you my mom and thank you very much eric go enjoy america
0: thank you happy fourth of july in america Uh, thanks to the British for their freedom.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Too kind, too kind.
2: And until next time, we bid you adieu.
0: And bye-bye for Show and Tell tunes.